So welcome to the first episode of The Birdhouse Murders. Um, my name is Samantha. I'm the host. And for my first guest, I have my life partner and best friend, Sasha Ratcliffe. Life partner? Cute. Anyway. <laughs> I am too poor. Uh, so today we're covering cold cases in Victoria. Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six cases to cover with two honorable mentions because I have a lot of opinions. Mm. Sometimes police solve things. I don't agree with them. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, they don't have a great track record, you know. Or, you know... start with Emma Philippov. Have you heard of Emma Philippov? Is that the one that was playing Crazy Horse? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then, yes. And I've also seen the videos. So creepy. Super creepy. And I feel like a lot of people in Victoria know about Emma. Um, her posters were everywhere. Her mom has been advocating for her um, nonstop, basically. She's been missing since November 28th, 2012. She's 26 when she went missing. She was born in Perth, Ontario on January 6th. My fellow Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> before she disappeared, she came to Victoria in the fall of 2011. She worked at Redfish Bluefish, that little mm, fish. seafood stand. Fish. TBH overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Never been. Don't care. Um, she left there in August, October. She left in October of 2012 because it is seasonal. They close for the winter. Mm. Um, and she assured everyone that she'd be back for the spring of 2013. She wasn't. Ah. She never came back. That was insensitive. <laughs> she gone. <laughs> she gone, gone. She gone, girl. Gone, girl. She gone, well, girl. All of Victoria. What if she's not dead? Well, that's the thing. Apparently, which we'll learn, that might be the case. Hmm. There's a lot of unconfirmed sightings of her in the island, on the island, and in the Lower Mainland, especially. Um, she just picked up and got a new identity. Exactly. So the Fifth Estate actually covered her case. And they had, I don't know, four or five different high-up law enforcement men uh, basically loosely investigate her case, just like at a table. They just took a look at it, and they were like, this is what we think. Mainly, they think it's pseudocide, which is like disappearing and pretending that you died, faking your own death. Mm. Um, that being said, she did show a lot of signs of mental illness and like not you know how they say before somebody kills themselves, one of the signs is that they'll, like, start to give away a lot of their stuff? Mm, yeah. She was doing that, but she was also staring, staying at the Sandy Merriman Women's Shelter, um, kind of near the courthouse downtown. I, yeah, I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah, and she was caught by staff moving furniture that belonged to the shelter just out onto the street. Like, she wasn't just purging her stuff, she was purging <laughs> their stuff. Her area. Yes. Everything in her life. Exactly. Um, that was kind of weird. I actually have a timeline of everything with Emma, and I'll show you her missing poster. Probably saw that everywhere. It's in, like, every other Starbucks, all over the malls. I don't see them as often anymore, but... I um, have never seen this. Really? I, there was one poster... I'm so just, like... Blinders? Yeah. There was a missing poster of her around the most where she had two... She had braids in her hair. And a toque. I don't know if that picture's in there, but that was the one I saw. That one? No, there was another one. Oh. Um, 
but that was one that I saw the most. I remember that was up when she first went missing. That one was everywhere. Um, I have this, like, weird vivid memory of being in the Starbucks downtown at Yates and Government. Is that Starbucks? Mm -hmm. And seeing her poster. And every time I think about her, I, like, see that again in my brain. And that's it's, Starbucks. That's weird marketing. <laughs> yeah. That's, hey, Shelly Philippoff. That was weird. Weird move. Okay, so, I'm going to start with her timeline. That's probably the easiest way to go through all this. Mm -hmm. For a quick little backstory on Emma, just so that you know kind of what she's like. Um, she was 26 when she went missing. She, in the description somewhere, she, how tall is she? No, that's the man. You have her missing poster. Oh, I do. Um, she, 5'5". Five 5'5". Five. Five five. Brown oh. eyes prefers to be outdoors. I don't. I am 5'5", five five, though. So she, you. Same, same, but different. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm low-budget Emma. She was, like, vegan. She liked the outdoors. She was a really good person. There was actually a documentary I watched. So nothing alike. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. We are the same height, and that is it. <laughs> the Fifth Estate, though, in their episode that they covered her case, they interviewed, I want to say, one of the girls that she went to school with, or an old friend of hers, and that girl said that Emma had, like, a magnetic, magnetic energy to her, and, like, everyone was just drawn to her. But that was also true and false, and that she would also attract very, like, weird people. There was a guy that she knew from Montreal that kind of lightly stalked her when she was living, I can't remember if it was in Montreal or in Ontario. Who hasn't had a light touch? Exactly. We all. Mine was a Trevor. Yours were... I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want that to come back and me. I don't need that to happen again. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I heard you were talking about me. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, this guy from Montreal um, was a suspect for a hot minute, and they cleared him pretty quickly. There wasn't really anyone that I heard about in Victoria that kind of, like, followed her around and creeped her out. That being said, though, Mr. Montreal did end up here. And everyone was kind of like, mm, but you're here. Mm, that's a little weird. You yeah. just, like, happened to end up in the same city that's as the girl that you kind of sort of stalked yeah. on the other side of the country, basically. Sus. Pretty fucking sus. So, yeah, they basically don't really have any other um, leads, but... Yeah, so we'll just get right into the timeline of events in the days leading up to her disappearance. November 20th. Emma goes to the YMCA. That's when you saw... That's those videos the video that you saw. that I've seen, yeah. She went in there to take out a membership. She wanted to get a membership from them. And it showed her exiting the building over and over and over again. 14 minutes went by. Um, she seemed pretty nervous, peering out the glass doors, waiting for, or what people also suspected was hiding from somebody. Now, Emma also had some problems with, I'm no doctor, but I would say maybe paranoid schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it seemed to me. She constantly seemed like she was being followed and, like, really worried about it in certain situations. If she was in a car with one other person, she, people said that she would act like totally normal and she'd feel safe, but once she was out of the car, it was like a flip, a switch flip, and she was mm. like super sketchy and like look all over the place and just get basically just really scared. Her van was having a lot of problems. She had this little old Mazda van, um, and she kept having to have it towed from like Souk to downtown to the shelter, from the shelter to the Chateau Victoria, which like she, she wasn't from here, right? She was from Ontario, and I felt so bad reading back to this, and I'm like, she was struggling, and then she was also just, like, lost in downtown. Mm -hmm. 
Chateau Victoria has to have one of, I would think, the most expensive parking lots. And she had to have her van towed multiple times. That alone had to have been like $500. I was just, I've had my car towed <laughs> twice. Mm-hmm. And it's so expensive. So expensive. So expensive. Yeah, so <laughs> that just made me feel bad, which is like, I feel bad for the whole thing. Because, plot twist, spoiler alert, no one knows what happened to Emma. Yeah. So, there's worse in this case, but that just made me feel bad. So she started calling her mom Friday, November 23rd. Her mom was still living in Ontario. And she'd often, in this week, she would call her mom, I think, four or five times, saying, like, I want to come home. I'm really upset. She'd be crying, saying she wants to go back to Ontario. Her mom would start booking flights. The next day, Emma would call her mom and change her mind. It would be totally fine. She'd be like, no, don't. Never mind. I'm fine. It's fine. And that happened right up to the day that she disappeared. So over the course of 20... From the 23rd to the 28th. So five days that happened. The next couple days are pretty much just her over and over again changing her mind. Um, <laughs> uh, so on the 27th, she calls her mom. And the call display comes up as Sandy Merriman. And at this point, nobody in Emma's family knew that she was staying at Emma's shelter. And her mom thought Sandy Merriman was a friend of hers. She called the number back realized it was a shelter and that's when her mom started to like really worry worry yeah and was like ah shit turns out emma had been staying at that shelter on and off for i think almost a year like it, it from the sounds of it it was really hard to figure out exact timelines they just kept saying years and i'm like well did she live in it from the winter of one year into the spring of the next or like a full year yeah you know? um but from the sounds of it it sounds like she almost immediately started living in the shelter from the time she came to victoria and then basically was there on and off people's couches renting places stuff like that so wednesday november 28th the day of her disappearance uh she phones her mom changes her mind one last time at 4 30 in the morning so i guess that's like 7 30 a.m ontario time not terrible but i'm like really you crazy you can change your mind later (laughs) that's too early to change your mind (laughs) again 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 yeah again thrice times Several seven times. <laughs> uh, okay, 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Emma goes to Chateau Victoria. She's very upset because they left a notice on her car. The staff was asking her to tow it. She begged and begged and begged. They said, okay, fine, you get another day, and then we're going to have it towed and bill you for it. Which ended up happening. Because obviously she never came back for her van. By 8.30, so that's an hour and a half later, she's caught on video surveillance of a 7-Eleven at Douglas and Humboldt. So that's the one... I've seen that video, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which 7-Eleven is that? Is that the one that's by Browns? Yes. Mm-hmm. The drug 7-Eleven. Never been in there sober. They are. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she buys a $200 prepaid credit card. The... I think this is where they note the outfit that she was wearing. Um, when she went missing. So that's the one that that's everyone's that like, one. yeah, exactly. She looks rough. She she definitely looks to me like she is on she, her way out. She's got all For of her while. stuff. She looks yeah. ready to be gone, yeah. you know? She's got a scarf on. She's got a big hoodie. She's got bags. More pants on. She, so many bags. Like, multiple bags. Exactly. Like, yeah. It, it looks to me like a transient person. Yeah. Like, she looks like she's backpacking, you know? If I saw her on the street, that's kind of what I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so she buys her her uh, prepaid credit card and then just lingers by the door for a long time, very creepily, just like looking outside.
and which is kind of weird to me because in that store, if you were to stand in the doorway and look up and down the street, you honestly can't you can't see a lot. No, you the can corners are so sharp that you have to be like outside to see around it. Well, and that stretch of Douglas is so straight and narrow. Like the, all the buildings are very flush, and there's just, there's nothing to look at around you. Mm-hmm. I don't even think from there that you can see down the. Uh, oh, side you street. mean for like sightseeing? No, no, no. Like, keep, I don't know, eagle eye, oh, watching stuff. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. The you only thing first, I could think that you're thinking of is, or that you're looking for, is someone walking on the street. Yeah, I don't know. Just very weird to me. Um, <clears throat> 10 a.m. Julian, I don't know how to say his last name. I want to say Ward. He is the guy from Montreal, so that last name is probably French, and I apologize if I'm butchering it. He sees Emma on Pandora Street across from the Alex Gilbert Hall. Now, that is also next door to our place, Shelter. Yeah. Um, disembarks a few stops early to talk to Emma, who's standing at the edge of the sidewalk, a step away from the road. He said she was acting very shifty. Mm. Like, th- there's a couple accounts of her where they say darting back and forth and gonna cross the street but you change your mind you run back and it's weird um by noon some people reported seeing her at the library i assume that would be the library downtown the broughton street library yeah um early afternoon they say some friends saw her at the hour place soup kitchen she said she wasn't feeling well and couldn't talk and that was it um the friend actually asked if she wanted a hug and she retreated with an uncharacteristic horrified look on her face which, honestly, same. But <laughs> that is very you and me for hugs. Exactly. But that wasn't usual for her? No. She's usually very friendly, very huggy, very touchy-feely. And mm-hmm. I guess this person, that's why they were like, oh, my God, can I give you a hug? You're so sad. And she was like, wow, no, absolutely not. Don't touch me. Um, 1 p.m., somebody saw her walking down Pandora. She wasn't wearing a hat, and her hair looked like it had been freshly washed. So she, put a, she may have possibly taken a shower at Shelter. She was carrying just a bunch of, like, plastic bags, a couple other random bags. She was still wearing that same outfit, um, camouflage pants, big fleece jacket. Um, that same friend was concerned and, oh, no, not the friend, sorry. Uh, a witness saw her and ended up reporting that to the Victoria Police Department, who take a full report. I said that with quotation marks because, mm. do they? Two people then, same afternoon, see her walking down Douglas Street, still being a little bit weird, but at this point, she's now walking barefoot. Somebody said they saw her same afternoon walking with an older man. No description of the man was provided. One thing I will note, Emma looks like a lot of girls. A lot of girls look like Emma. She's got long brown hair. She's thin. She's athletic. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup. There's a lot of girls that are going to fit that description, and 5'5", five five, that's... That's, That's most, average height. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were seeing a lot of women that they thought were her. And at one point, someone actually saw a woman in the Starbucks downtown at Fort Street. And they took a picture of her. Weird. <laughs> and um, reported it to police and said that they saw Emma. But that woman came forward and was like, uh, nope. That's, that's me. That's me. That's not her. But that photo almost looked exactly like Emma. It was from the side, but it looked almost identical. Um, okay, so Emma uses her debit card at 5.54. Uh, we'll say Emma. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> There's video surveillance. It's Emma. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck it. Surprise! <laughs> so 5.54, she uses her debit card to buy a prepaid cell phone, which 
She uses her debit card to buy a cell phone, but she also earlier bought a prepaid credit card. Yeah. I'm curious as to what the credit card's going to be for. Like, maybe she was using it to rent a hotel room somewhere. Yeah. Again, sounds like she was super planning to just, like, flee. Yeah. Leave. Um, or maybe she was trying to buy, like, a flight somewhere. So later that same night, 6 p.m. on the 28th, the day she went missing, she goes back to the shelter. Uh, witnesses see her looking very anxious and upset, and a staff member says, Your mom's on the way. She called. She's coming. Grandma did not like that. Nope. She noped right the fuck out of there. Exactly. She apparently told her mom that she didn't know how she could face her. So it was clear that she was like, and I get it when you're like, not, you're going through it. Yeah. And the last thing you want, like as much as you want your parent you don't want them to see you like that. Yeah. And then have them be like, well, fuck, now I gotta fix this. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so though her mom actually did talk to them on the phone that day, she didn't say she was coming. So that staff member also was bullshitting. Or maybe she misunderstood. They gave her the benefit of the doubt. But I thought that was kind of, like, why? Yeah. You are you work in a vulnerable environment. Yeah. You should always speak from 100% facts. Well, and like, do you think that she thinks now that, like, she caught the kids from school? Because, like... Right? That staff member saying, like, oh, your mom's coming, and then she's just like, fucking bye! Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah. Oof. You know, if I was that person, I would feel that way. I, yeah. As much as I'd probably try to be like, no, you can't control it, it's fine, I would still, like, deep in my heart be like, that's, that's kind of my fault. Yeah. I'm not saying that's your fault, lady, if you're out there listening to this, you don't know who you are. It's a shitty situation. For that sure. is, this whole yeah. thing is a shitty situation. Um, six ten p.m. So ten minutes after this happened, she so clearly she obviously like called a taxi. ABC Taxi picked her up. Um, it's a very small private company in town. I've taken them once, and it was a. I've never taken one. It kind of looked like some guy just got like a taxi thing for the top of his car, and was just like, "I'm a taxi now." That's eight dollars. He Why also, would you get in? He only took cash. <laughs> I and sexual that, assault as payment. That was when we lived in Vic West together. So that was a it was a dicey time in my life, all right? Yeah. <laughs> that was dicey for me. Okay, anyways. <laughs> so 6.10 p.m., she's in that taxi. 6.15, a friend of hers named Dennis sees her downtown, and I believe this is when Empress. So she's taken a taxi from Sandy Merriman, which is by the courthouse to the Empress, super close. Yeah, why not just walk? Yeah, so she only took a taxi for five minutes. So it must have just been right there. Mm-hmm. Waiting. Um, and she seized the opportunity. That's true. 717, this is when the, oh, okay, so that friend Dennis, he ended up calling the police, because that's when he was, he was the one who called the police and said, I saw her, I'm really concerned for her. Um, police show up to see her at 717. They finally find her, because obviously he's, They've been called, but she's just wandering. Mm-hmm. Find her around the Empress on Government Street. The cat's being a cat in the background. Um, she's at uh, the Empress on Government Street. She refused to put her shoes back on, but said she was just taking a walk. By 8 p.m., police decide she's not a threat to herself or anyone else and watch her walk away. That is what doesn't sit well with me. I understand that police have, like, more important things to deal with and more, like, dire situations to, and, like, calls to respond to, but I, I don't understand how they could have seen her like that and been like, she's fine. Well, think about how many p- 
people downtown in Victoria are like that. Yeah, I guess. That's, like, li- that's literally every day for them. Not that I'm they supporting don't that. I mention it in this, but I would like to know if they attempted to give her a ride somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're like, do you, is there somewhere we could take you? Is yeah. there anywhere we could take you, please? But I also, like, she would also just refuse it. Yeah. She would say no, but I don't know. I'd like to see. the. Her mom has actually requested some freedom of information things, and they've refused every single one. Really? Certain things that I think a mother has absolutely every right to know, and they've been like, no. Okay, that's suspicious. Right? Why? Exactly. I could see if it's like a journalist, you could, you need to, won't get that out. But yeah. her mom? Yeah. It's a little sus. Don't like that. Um, so 11 p.m., Shelly finally arrives to the shelter because it was, what, I think 4.30 when she got that call from, so 7.30 her time mm-hmm. in Ontario. By 11 p.m. our time, she gets to Victoria, gets to the shelter, and that's where she finds out that Emma didn't claim her bed that night. And I think at shelters you have to show up by a certain time to claim a bed. Yeah. You can't just, like, come and go as you please. Um, an hour later, police arrive at the shelter to take the report and finally declare her a missing person. Honestly, I'm surprised they did it then, because police are notorious for being like, 48 hours, put it off, put it off, put it off. Yeah. But technically, staff saw her, God, what, six hours before this? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 6 p.m. and then 12 a.m., they file her uh, a missing person report. Um, After her disappearance, and this is now the next day, Chateau Victoria has her van towed, because they told her that would happen. Shelly kind of goes back and forth from the wherever she's staying and to the shelter and looking for Emma, just checking in, checking all over the place. December 2nd comes, so now that's like, what, three, four, five days go by. No one's really seen her. There's no developments in the case, but somebody does say they saw her with an odd, in an odd encounter in the Inner Harbor after dark. And it says, Emma tells them to remember the name Emma Filipoff and asks them to repeat the name three times. There's no more description of that encounter. Which is so strange. That is really strange. I would be interested to see who actually came forward with that. Yeah. What? Who was the person that said this? Because that, that sounds like mumbo jumbo. It does sound like, it also sounds like someone just, like, fucked on drugs. Exactly. Or someone, like, there's always those people who just want to be involved in a case. Totally. And they just, like, They just have need to say something. Yeah. Yeah insert themselves. Yeah. Just with how the rest of, like, I understand that there are a lot of... Maybe it's them. I don't know. <gasps> you know. Who was it? BTK? BTK did the... He wrote those weird letters to the police being like, please catch me, but you'll never catch me. Zodiac Killer did that too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots they of all did. <laughs> they love to be noticed. Which we'll talk about. They love to be noticed. Eventually. That's why so many of them are like, Gemini! A twofer. Ooh, twofer. The, uh, there's one serial killer that is just absolutely, thank God Mans is dead, and he done did suffer in prison. Very compelling case. Uh, his birthday is the day after mine. <laughs> same, same. Um, okay, so December 2nd, someone that was, uh, remember my name! December 5th, the card that she purchased, a prepaid credit card, was used... Um, at a Petro station in Souk, on Souk Road, which I think was actually in Colwood. You know, Souk Road starts like yeah, a right million years too early. Um, they tracked down the guy. He just said, "I found it on the goose, and I used it." 
and they cleared him. He took them right back to the spot. He was like, I'm just a dude on my bike, and I found it, and it was still in his package. So I took it, and yeah. I used it. And they cleared him, and it was fine. Um, he also claimed that he was too drunk to remember where he found it. I'm like, <laughs> middle of the night, biking down the goose, used a card he found on the ground. Drunk. Fully checks out. Yeah. That's big goose energy. That's, that is big goose energy. <laughs> Um, what a night for him, too. Big night. And then? That's a big night for him. Well, I mean, Crime. it didn't end up being a big night. <laughs> Bigger night for him, huh? Yeah. Uh, okay, so then uh, nothing. Nothing happens. There's no update from the case for two years. May of 2014 comes. In Gastown, this man in a green t-shirt walks into a store angrily clutching her missing poster. Ripped it down off a post and crumpled it in his hand. I remember hearing about this. Walks into the store and because he was noticeably agitated, the employee was like, yo, you good? You good, homie? What's your deal? Yeah, and he just like threw it on the ground or in the garbage and said that Emma was his boyfriend and that he just wanted to be left alone. No one looked into that further. They still don't know who he is. There are these posters that say, hey, you know this guy? But like... Oh, is that the picture that you were talking about that you were looking for on this that you thought might be a good one? No. Oh. But yeah, no one's looked into that. No one knows who he is. He's, he hasn't come forward, nothing. And that's That Emma was his, his boyfriend? That he was Emma's boyfriend. Oh. And uh, I don't know. I just think that's really unsettling in a way because if you were her boyfriend, where have you been the last like two years um but also maybe he's one of those weird people who just like heard about her case and is delusional and was just like oh she's my girlfriend you know yeah so wait what what did he do he just walked into a store with her missing poster like crumpled in his hand and then threw it in the garbage and he was all angry and they asked if he was okay or whatever and he was like yeah i'm her boyfriend and i just want to be left alone i'm sad blah 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 You would think that being her boyfriend, he would want these up everywhere. And yeah. his immediate thought wouldn't be to be like, seeing her face makes me upset, so I'm going to take down her missing poster. Right? Yeah. That's why I kind of thought more along the lines of, like, he's just a weirdo who has this yeah. imaginary life in his head that he's been telling Or, <clears throat> he was, like, he could have been fucked up, saw the poster, and was like, yeah, my mind made in that into someone that I know. Yeah. Um, so then, from there, nothing... But also, why would you go into a store to rip a poster down? That's so fucked up. Well, no, the poster wasn't in the store. It was up oh. outside the store, and he ripped it down and walked in. It was just like, ah! Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, from there, nothing happened for another four years. There was no updates, no nothing. Um, again, like I said, they didn't identify him. They don't have anyone who is uh, a real suspect. Nothing. Somebody did reach out and made a tip, I believe anonymously, saying that and he w there was a reward for $25,000. He said he wasn't interested in the reward, but said that she was living in the downtown east side of Vancouver and was a junkie, and I honestly, I think he called her mom to say all this. This wasn't even like a tip line. He called her mom and said like, uh, yeah, I know where Emma is, blah, 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 blah. That's big come back to the case so that no one will look for her energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super fucked up. Um, 
And then, yeah, there was just, like, a couple more sightings. Like I said, people saying, like, oh, I saw a girl that matched that description here and here and here and here. Well, yeah, she's an average she's billed brunette woman. Yeah. She, yeah, she's every woman. <laughs> uh, until 2018, this guy came forward and said, oh, on the morning of November 29th, so this is the day after she went missing, around 5 a.m., he was going to work. Um, he saw a young woman darting back and forth on the side of the road, and this was around Esquimalt Road, 1264, which I, I want to say is the more big west area of Esquimalt Road. I think that's kind of near, like, the Shell Station, Tai area. Um, he noticed she was shoeless, she was soaking wet, and seemed like she'd been walking all night, and he asked if she needed a ride somewhere, because of course, in... Well, that would make sense, it totally, yeah, it's, um... It is that area? It is that area, okay. and that makes sense, because the Chateau is right there. No, that's the Delta. Chateau is... Oh. It's on the other side. Chateau's right near the, the shelter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so he, he offers a ride, she agrees, she gets in his car... Um, she asked if he could take her to Colwood to visit a girlfriend, but he said, I can only take you a little bit of the way because I'm going to my very first day at a new job, and that would just, like, I'm already running late, that's too far, but I can drop you off here. So he dropped her off, and it says at the intersection of Craigflower and Admiral. That would be by Craigflower School, right? Craigflower Elementary? No, that's by that Canadian Tire and Shoreline. Totally. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. I know, I live <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, so yeah, he dropped her off over there kind of by the Legion and the 24-hour gas station. And this is where, what I was talking about earlier, she gets out of the car. She looks super calm. The moment she gets outside of the car, she completely changes and gets, like, really ang uh, anxious and shifty and, like, darting back and forth and all weird. Um, he said he just didn't think that that was really anything for a long time. And then <laughs> fucking four years later... He comes forward and like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. I picked her up, and I dropped her off here, and she was super weird. And that's it. And nobody knows anything else about it. Huh. Yeah. It makes me wonder how many people just come forward just because they want to see. Exactly. And that like, happens a lot. so many reports. Yeah. That happens a lot, in a lot of cases. Um, and especially... I feel like around BC, too, it would happen because, you know, we're... So the Chevron that he's talking about is the one that's right by my old house. On, like, a Squimal. Like, deep in a Squimal. Like, where they built the Red Barn now. Oh, yeah. The Tudor house. It's way in there. Totes. Deep Squimal. That's deep a Squimal. Yeah. So that makes way more sense. He just drove straight up Admirals yeah. and dropped her off there. Then they have that direction wrong, because Craigflower and Admirals, yeah, it has a gas station, but the Legion's not there. The Legion is over there, where you're talking about. Yeah. So people, you know, get get you Do a Gemini and Capricorn that pay attention to That looks at a fucking map. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, we spent 35 minutes talking about Philippoff. <laughs> that being said, a good 15 minutes of that was unusable. <laughs> yeah. So the next one is Richard Blair Young. He went by Blair. I'm going to refer to him as Richard only because I read so much. Number two. Nose. <laughs> Richard was born in Saskatchewan in 1944. He was 72 years old when he went missing. He was reported missing on Valentine's Day by his family. Oh, that's sad. From what I read, uh, sorry, Valentine's Day 2017. From what I read, he's uh, father, a stepfather, a grandfather, 
and just like general all around nice guy. Just like Grandpa Steve. Hmm. Light. Grandpa Steve light version. <laughs> um, so he went missing on the 14th on, I believe it was March 3rd. His, March 2nd, his remains were found and then they were recovered on the following day. I think they were like, because it was on the steep, the Malahat Summit and on a very steep incline. It was like over the edge. Oh, okay. So it took a while for them to. Mm-hmm. It's at, it was by the lookout, I believe it's the second lookout that you get to on the Malahat, that you kind of, you're off to the right and it's behind a big rock. Yeah. Yeah, not the main one that you pull off behind the DeWitt meter, but the other one. Um, and then it was down that really, really steep thing. So I can understand it probably was really hard to get to. Well, it was, it would be really hard for personnel to just get in there. Exactly. They have to like literally rappel down a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> um, they said the his. trucks and equipment and shit. Yeah. Yeah. His death was almost immediately ruled a homicide. They have not released his cause of death. So I wonder if there's a gunshot wound or some kind of wound inflicted on him that would not be self-inflicted, you know? My guess is that they didn't release it because it matches another case and they don't want anyone... Hmm. Because, like, when... Police don't release things like that to the public. It's because they don't... You know, they don't want to jeopardize the investigation. Exactly. And, yeah. like, when they're interviewing or interrogating someone, if they know how that person was Exactly. Killed, that's something only the killer would know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking, too. It made sense, but I'm like, but... And also, if they need to tie it to other crimes, then they don't want the serial killer to know that they know he's a serial killer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Anyways, um, they don't believe it was a random attack, which was kind of weird to me, but after he died and after he was reported missing, they discovered more than $30,000 in fraudulent transactions happened with his bank cards and his credit cards. After or before? After. So they know who did it. They know they have the suspects. They know who used his cards. They don't know if that person is responsible for his death. They don't know if it's connected. They said the transactions took place between the island and the lower mainland. So I'm thinking maybe it's the, the final ones were on the lower mainland, and that's why they're not sure, because that person might be rooted to the mainland. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why were you all the way over here, and then you killed a man, and then just went back? Yeah. Stole his money and left. Which, honestly, that also makes sense, because criminals don't give a fuck, and <laughs> they'll do anything. Um, okay, so after that, they... they da, 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 da. Police believe there are multiple suspects, and they've identified them, but have not made any arrests. This case, there was just not a lot of information out there on it. So it's hard to pull any information. And what was kind of frustrating is that the police are out I w- here. If they know the suspects, I bet they're trying to tie them to other things, and that's why they haven't released too many oh, details. Maybe. Sometimes they'll do that. They'll just sit on it. Yeah. For so long. And then they'll wait for them to do it again. Exactly. Oops. Sorry, Vic PD. <laughs> <laughs> we just outed you. <laughs> I think this is actually being investigated by the uh, Vancouver Island Integrated Major Crimes Unit. Oh, my God. Am I saying that right? a lot of letters. <laughs> Anyways, the big cops. The mm. big cops for when the small cops can't cop right. They call the big boys. Mm. Big, big boy. Big boy. Big boy man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they, they basically, they don't, they don't know anything. There's there's video evidence of him leaving his apartment building and going to a royal bank the day that he went, you know, like the day that he went to do his murder. And that's it. They are super pleading for the public's help, but again, like I said, there isn't an, a lot of information, so all they're really running on is like, we hope somebody has seen him and recognizes him, but just like Emma's case, he looks like everyone's grandpa. Mm. He looks so 
I don't know how to say it without being rude, but just like normal, ordinary, just a classic dude. And he looked so nice that I feel like, you know, nice people don't always stand out. Yeah. They just blend in. Yeah. It sucks that those like really shitty people are the ones that get noticed because you're like, holy shit, hate you. Yeah. Yeah. People will always remember when you make them feel bad. Mm. If you're nice, you're forgettable. <laughs> Be a dick. <laughs> Succeed. <laughs> okay, the third case. Number three. The third case is, this one's kind of sad. They're all sad because people, people die. People die or are just, in the end, not with their family. And that's really sad. So this last one is, it, her, okay, her name might be Sherry. It's C-H-E-R-I-E. I, Cherry. I want to put some, I want to put some stank on it. Put some stank on it. And I want to say Chevy, Chevy, Chevy. But her last name is Smith, so it's probably Sherry. Mm. Um, she was. Sherry. Sherry. She's from Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. Is Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry Ann. My ears ringing. Her middle name is Ann. <gasps> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, so when she was 17, she met this boy, and he basically convinced her, like, drop out of school. She was in grade. N- no, she met him in grade 9. I was going to be like, why was she 17 in grade 9? She was nine? grade 9. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so she met this boy in grade 9, and then by 17, he had convinced her to just, like, up and leave. He was a little baby pimp. So he roped her into sex trafficking. She basically got roped into it, moved all around With the country. With a name like Sherry Ann, I feel like... She... I think that uh, she didn't have a choice. Yeah, oof. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Big oof. Uh, grande, large size oof. Okay, anyways, let's just blow past that. Okay, so they took her all over the country. Um, one of the main places being Montreal, that's where the head honcho pimp was based. Ah. Sherry. Little pimp pimp's big boy boss. Exactly. Once she met the big boy man, the big boy Montreal man. That's when her name got changed to Sherry. Yes, absolutely. It would have to be Sherry. Oh, mon ami, Sherry. Um, she kind of, you know, Stockholm syndromed with this man. Oh no. She would tell her family that she loved him. He eventually. Did they know? <laughs> Did they know that she was in sex trafficking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. That's that's way more sad. There's a couple instances where, like, she would get caught, picked up by the police. Police. For once, and I mean, they weren't doing enough, but. Could have been worse with the RCMP yeah. and their track record. She was just picked up and they just sent her back home. They should like, go back to Saskatchewan. Just be with your family. Stop this shit. Yeah. But she was also still a minor. So that could be why they were just like, go home. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so they sent her home and every time that happened, her dad tried to get her clean because obviously her drugs, or her pimp got her hooked on uh, drugs. And it was just too much. She could never get off of it. She couldn't, she couldn't stop. Eventually. She craved the that was, wow. And I also just really dated myself. <laughs> so, her, uh, her pimp eventually got her pregnant. Now, that's what she believes. Oh, gross. The old, now, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and assume that she was using protection with her Johns and then not using protection with the pimp. 
Oh, that's what you meant. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of meant men. You can't trust men, so <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? So she got pregnant. She was 17. She got pregnant. <clears throat> She's still such a baby. Right? She believed, she told her dad, she firmly believed that if she kept the baby, that the pimp wouldn't make her partake in sex trafficking anymore, and he would let her leave. That was not the case. He made her turn tricks while pregnant. That's so gross. I know. Um, she, so she found out she was pregnant at the same time, tested positive for an STD, and that's when her family tried so hard to convince her to get an abortion, because this was just not the situation Yeah. they wanted her to be becoming a mother. Um, well, and like, that's like a curse upon your unborn child. Mm-hmm. So now she's just about six months pregnant. Just about, just about there. She, I think, has now just turned eighteen. The pimp moves her to Victoria, brings her here. This was all happening. I think at the very end, it was happening in Winnipeg. That was the last place before she came here. Uh, comes to Victoria, and basically, once she gets here, phone calls all stopped. Her family stopped hearing from her. Absolutely nothing. Her mom came here and spent two weeks looking for her. Nothing. Um, a few weeks after the two weeks, she comes here, her mom looks for her for two weeks, and then about three or so weeks later, her body is found on a park on Munns Road, which is kind of between uh, Mount Work and Prospect Lake Road. Mm. Kind of that area where Libby went hiking that one time with Kirsten. Yeah. Um, found her body on the side of the road. In, like, not at the side of the road, like, a, I think it was in a ditch mm-hmm. on the trail when he was riding his horse. Stopped, called the police. Um, she was savagely beaten. Savagely beaten. And they said her and her unborn baby were beaten. Which, I take that differently than, like, a pregnant woman was beaten to death and her baby died because she died. It's like, yeah. that person beat up her and the unborn baby as if they are two separate entities. Yeah, he was angry at both. Exactly. So I'm thinking maybe something started to go wrong with the John, and she went to, like, I'm pregnant, please don't hurt me, and that just, like, fueled his rage even more. Mm. There were two other young girls that were in sex trafficking on the island that were killed around the exact same time in similar ways, but they didn't get convicted. Interesting. A 17-year-old from Shawnigan and a 21-year-old from, I can't remember if she was from, I want to say Mill Bay or Victoria. Either way. So young. Children. Children. I think in my notes, I said, like, <laughs> still a child. Still a child. Hmm. Yeah. Um, between 89 and 1990, this all happened in 1990, by the way, I probably should have mentioned that. Between 89 and 1990, there's 25 sex workers killed in the island of Northern Ireland. Wow. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, oh, well that's, no, that's a long time. And then I went back and I'm like, no, that's, that's, it was less than a year yeah. that that happened. That's also the same time as Lily Fisher. So, (laughs) Sherry's death and the other two women, I don't think they believe are in any way tied to Picton, but a lot of those 25 women, I think, are. There there are, the RCMP, I won't get too deep into this, but the RCMP have their investigation, EPANA, and that's the one looking into the missing and murdered Indigenous women in the Lower Mainland. Mm -hmm. And there are so many women that went missing around that area in that time or were just found dead that I'm like, what? And you don't tie it into Picton? 
Yeah, are you kidding me? But in, I actually just learned recently that at a certain point in Pippin's trial, they stayed charges and they said, like, he cannot be charged with anything else. He is in jail. He has been charged. I think it was only actually six murders. Six murders he was charged with and put in jail. And they said that they can't bring any new cases forward and charge him. They just kind of put the blanket down and was just like, we'll assume he did it. He probably did it. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that. <laughs> Who is next? Number four. <laughs> I was trying to think of how to say four in literally any other language. And it left me. My brain was like, it's four. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing else. Nothing else. Quattro? No tro. <laughs> okay, the next one. This is a famous one. This one, and I'm, Mom, if you're listening, I'm going to call you out because I've told people this story. And they, it's dark, Mom. Michael Dunahy mm. went missing back in the 90s. Little boy, I think he was three or four, kidnapped from the school. When I was younger, my room would get so messy, so messy, that my mom would come in and tell me that it was so messy that if we cleaned it, we'd probably find Michael Dunahy. And that, honestly, 50% horrified. 50% respect, Terry, that was creative. That and local. 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 Locally grown. Locally sourced organic morbid terryism yeah yeah mom we, we turned you into a verb <laughs> uh so yeah michael dunahy went missing back in the 90s this one there isn't really a lot to go through because there's just not a lot to this case he just fucking he just vanished. disappeared yeah i remember a couple years ago there was a thing where they <laughs> did like a dna thing and found two men in the lower mainland that possibly matched his dna that both also had histories of like oh i was just adopted when i was four i don't know anything about my life before then weird and they looked like michael dunahy and it, none of neither of those panned out i feel like there's been so many instances of like tips being like this kid in like ontario really looks like michael dunahy and there's been like so many of him like mm-hmm. being older yeah well, there was that picture when they did the age progression of him to, like, 16, and that, I remember when they did that, that made its rounds yeah. everywhere. It's actually on the Canada Missing website, where I got a lot of this information, that's the picture that you see, is the, like, age progression one, whereas... I think it's because they never found his body. Exactly. They did have one time where a man in the States, I think it was Texas, had Michael Dunahy's missing poster in his shed. That somebody found and were like, why do you have, have this? this? Yeah. And I think they called Victoria Police and told them. And they went and investigated and like the guy was a little bit of a Picton-esque. He was dirty, he was weird, he was gross, he lived on a farm, he was just honestly very Texan. <laughs> Sorry, Texas. <laughs> he just kept talking about gas and the gold rush, I think. But yeah, it again, nothing panned out. They cleared him. Hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Because who knows, maybe the Texas Rangers cleared him. And they were like, I don't know, he took a shower, he's Walker? clean. Absolutely. Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, okay, that's that's about it for Dunahy. That was just like, I couldn't talk about cold cases of Victoria and not mention the cold case. The cold case. There's, yeah. um, there's walks every year for Michael Dunahy um, to raise awareness for him. 
I guess. I don't know. I feel like he's basically become, like, the poster child of missing children in Canada. Totally. Like, remember when Walmart used to have that board? Even as a child, I was, like, obsessed with it, and I would go stand and look at it and be like, whoa, these kids are just gone. Okay, our final cold case. Number five. Number five. I feel like anyone who has listened to me talk about true crime... And even in the early days of me mentioning, like, I'm going to do a podcast, everyone brings up Lindsay Bubiak. <laughs> <laughs> you will not shut up about her. Like, the police need to hire you. I know. You are, like, I know. <laughs> I'm on Always it. talking about it. Dedicated. Dedicated. Uh, so, Lindsay Bubiak, I didn't even make notes on this one, because <laughs> I know it like the back of my hand. Like the finish strong. That's what she said. So Lindsay Bubiak, she was showing a house here in Saanich. I also just like quick little disclaimer. I don't want to go too in depth. Like I told Sasha earlier, I want to do a whole episode on this because I have a lot of feelings about this. Mm. So yeah, quick little gloss over. Uh, she was showing a house in uh, Gordon Head on D'Souza Place. She got a call from this lady with a weird accent that sounded fake, said Lindsay, saying that she really wanted to see this house. She had a budget. She had a certain uh, checklist of things she was looking for. And she wanted to book a viewing for that weekend, and she made it very clear that, like, we're going to look at a house that weekend, we're going to buy a house that weekend. The house was really expensive. It was just over a million dollars. So mm. that would have been some incentive. Ooh, some sweet commission. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of want to get into real estate, but I also don't want to die. Don't want to get murdered. Not yet. Not yet, at least. <laughs> Not yet. Um, so she arranged with this lady to see this house. Weird thing about this call, though, was that it came in on her personal cell phone not the office phone for the real estate agency. Did she take office calls on her phone very often? Not often. What was also weird is that the person, this lady said that she was referred to Lindsay by another client, and that client also just happened to be out of town when all this was happening. So Lindsay tried ah. to call them to be like, who's this lady yeah. that you sent my way? Who is this? Why did you do this? Yeah. Um, I don't think they ever released a name that Lindsay would have gotten for this lady. Um, Lindsay also, like, <laughs> this is Lindsay's words. She referred to these people as the Mexicans. So, she, like, never, I don't know if she ever gave their name or anything. Yeah. So, okay, she sets up this viewing. She tells her boyfriend, Jason. Jason's mother, this is Jason Zalo. His mother, Shirley Zalo, owns the real estate, uh, branch that they work at for, I, I want to say it was Remax at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Nightmare Zalo now owns her own, and it's like Zalo Realty, and it's her and her stupid son. Well, okay, Ryan seems like a nice guy, but he's, the whole family's fucked. <laughs> so Shirley and Ryan run it now, and it's the worst. They're all over Langford, and every time I drove by it, I'd be like, <clears throat> her stupid blowout and her beady eyes staring at me from the road. <laughs> uh, where was I? Okay, so she... Gets a call on her cell phone. She sets up the viewing. She tells her boyfriend that she's like, these people are weird. Just make yourself available in case I need an escape. In case these people are just, like, too strange. Yeah. Which I get. I wouldn't want to be in a big empty house with random people all that, over. Yeah, that worries me about real estate. Exactly. I so feel like so <laughs> many... That's how a lot of women die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jason had plans with a friend after work the day that she was showing this house. Lindsay was showing this house. Jason and his buddy 
pull up, they just sit outside because Jason didn't want to, like, go in the house and be yeah. an overbearing boyfriend and possibly cost her the sale. Um, he sits out there, sits and waits and waits. A couple, I think he sends her a couple text messages saying, like, I'm on my way, Kate, we're here. And they were able to figure out which text messages she had opened and which ones she hadn't opened. And I think the last, the last text message she didn't open, he did receive a call from her, and it sounded just like, I think it was him, him or one of her friends received a call that was really jumbly, and it sounded like a butt dial, and it turned out that they believe that that call was placed while she was being murdered. Yeah. And it was a butt dial. They just didn't, they couldn't figure it out. So, yeah, she, uh, she goes into the house, Jason's outside, he's sitting there, he's waiting, and then he feels like, a lot of time has gone by. This is taking a long time. So he texts her, no response, calls her, no response, goes to the door, door's locked. Like, that's a little weird because when he pulled up, he saw the man of the couple come to the door, see them, turn around, go back in the house and close the door. When he did that, he locked the door. So, yeah, Jason's waiting there with his friends, and like, ah, it's been too long, let's go check it out. Go to the door, it's locked. They're hearing nothing inside, they're hearing nothing, no response, there was no car around that those people left in. So, I believe Jason stayed at the front door, his friend went around to the back, sliding door was open, he goes into the house and lets Jason in. Jason immediately goes upstairs to the master bedroom and finds her on the floor, stabbed 17 times, and one of her breasts was cut off. Exactly. That's one of the biggest things that makes them believe that a hit was put out on her. Yeah. They This was with purpose. Yeah. And I mean, if not every other part of this case says that a hit was put out on her, that's it. Like, yeah. This was a crime of passion, the weird phone call, specifically to her, saying that they were referred to her, like, this was all Yeah. This was very much directed. Yeah. So he went in the house and he immediately went to her? Yeah, and a lot of people thought that that was really weird, that it was like, oh, he just knew to go upstairs. That being said, though, he also, he was dating a girl who's a real estate agent. His girlfriend before that was a real estate agent. His mom's a real estate agent. His brother's a real estate agent. Maybe there's a certain route real estate agents show a house, and it would make sense to start upstairs and work your way down and then out the front door. So maybe he just knew, like, oh, that's where she would have started. Wouldn't you want to go to the end of the route? Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is that his friend came in from the back, so they knew that she wasn't downstairs, but, like... That's true. Depending on, like, maybe if you walk up the stairs, the master bedroom is, like, visible. Like, you can see it from the It's, like, the whole floor or something like that. Exactly. Or, like, if you, like, get up to the stairs and you look down the hallway, the master bedroom's, like, you can... He can see her on the floor. Yeah, and that's apparently how he found her. He found her on the floor, I believe face up, on her back. Basically, as you walk in the room, she was just on the floor. Like, I think it was as close to, like, maybe her feet were close to the entrance of the room. Hmm. Um, he found her, called 911. That's that. They figured out that the person who did it must have gone out the sliding door in the back. Yeah. Through the backyard, and then that led to kind of just, like, greenery park land in Gordon Head. D'Souza Place is kind of near where I used to live, like, that area of Gordon Head, near Uvic. So it is, yeah. like... It's a lot of space in between, like, not between houses, but between blocks. Yeah. There's always foliage in between. So I think it would have been pretty easy for them to just, like, deke out the back, and then they'd end up on Gordon Head Road. Totally. It's like, well, or not Gordon Head, I mean, like, Shelburne or something. Yeah. Or even, like, walking through Mount Dunn. Mm-hmm. I actually cleaned a house when I was a house cleaner. I'm 
kind of it was like a block away from D'Souza. And from the sounds of it, it was a very similarly laid out street. It was a cul-de-sac, same kind of thing. And yeah, it was a huge house, lots of stuff behind it. And it was the neighborhood, the streets kind of all go out and they wind and then they're all cul-de-sacs. So it's Yeah, it's super a really weird. weird area. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. wonder if that's why they chose that house. Because they already had well, the escape Well, they didn't choose the house. She chose yet. the house. They oh. just, that being said, though, <laughs> they gave her a checklist. So maybe they knew that that house would be on the list. If they said, like, we want this, 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 and this. And yeah. they knew, like, it was the only one that fits the description. Which is very likely because we will get to the end of this. If you don't already guess, I think Shirley did it. <laughs> I think Shirley's responsible. So I would think Shirley she knew exactly knew. what would come up. Yeah, she knew that it would be that house. Yeah. Well, and if she called and said, hey, I have to show this couple, she would have said what houses she was probably going to show. Totally. Or Shirley could have been like, you should show them this one. Yeah. Yeah. So after Lindsay is killed, I believe it was after, possibly, just after or just before Lindsay was murdered, Jason's ex-girlfriend, who I said was also a real estate agent, also received a phone call from a weird-sounding lady with a weird-sounding accent that kind of sounded fake that had a very specific set of uh, requirements to see a house. And when this girl, I believe her name was Jasmine, when she said, okay, sure, let me get your name and number, we'll set this up, the lady panicked and wanted to hang up the phone. It was like the person hadn't thought ahead Mm. to what's going to happen. Obviously, you're going to need to leave information. Shortly after Lindsay was murdered, her best friend Nicole received a phone call first thing in the morning. Nicole wasn't even awake yet. From a lady with a weird accent that sounded fake and it was too early in the morning for Nicole to figure out what the hell this lady is on about. Mm-hmm. Like when you first wake up and everyone's speaking Spanish and the lady sounded really mad. She was just like going off about something and Nicole was like, what the fuck? Like what are you talking about? And the lady panicked, hung up. Nicole Honestly, I love that she did this. I wouldn't have done the same because anxiety. She just fucking rapid dialed that phone number back until the person answered. And she was like, who the hell are you to call me first thing in the morning? <laughs> yeah. And just go off like that. And the, it, it, answered, it rang and rang and rang and rang. And then finally, somebody answered and it was Shirley Bailow. Now this, Nicole didn't dial the number. She was just hitting like green talk on the like incoming call that came in. Yeah. So that phone number that called her in the same accent that called Lindsay and the same person that called Jasmine was Shirley Zalo's cell phone. And Shirley Zalo tried to tell Nicole, oh, Jason must have put your number in my phone, and I was trying to call my assistant, Nicole, but I called you instead, blah, blah, blah. Jason and Nicole hated each other. Nicole was like, there's no reason he would have my phone number, let alone put it in someone else's phone, let alone his mom's phone. Why would she call her to begin with? I think that would be, assuming all of my theories are correct, to taunt or to maybe start the pattern again. Because I think she has a pattern of protecting her sons and will do anything she has to to protect her sons. But what was the point of calling Nicole? Possibly to have another person to get rid of. So right before she died, Lindsay went to Calgary to see her dad, and she told her dad that she saw something that she shouldn't have but she couldn't tell him right now. She said, I'll tell you later. And I believe she said that to him on the phone, and then when she went to Calgary, she just, like, didn't get a chance to tell him. And then she died. And he never found out what that thing was that she saw. And I believe that maybe she saw something between Shirley and Jason, Mm. and Shirley found out. Jason is rumored 
we'll say rumored because like who can confirm anything but i think my sources are pretty reliable jason is very involved in the drug world so i think maybe he was doing something fucking stupid and mommy dearest was cleaning up his mess mm. and maybe Lindsay just got caught in that and from honestly from a lot of people that i've talked to that's kind of the consensus she just got caught in a really messy situation. Yeah. There was a whole thing with a person that she used to know being part in um, part of the drug world, and the drug ring that he was in ended up getting raided. Like, it was really bad in Calgary. Um, there was a, a raid in this big drug ring, and she had happened to call him and message him on Facebook right before this raid happened. They don't... They never released what the message was. Maybe it just said, like, hey, man, and then he never got back to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they said he never answered the call that she placed to him, but she had reached out to him either way. And people think that she was trying to get drugs because he was in Calgary and she was in Calgary at the time. Mm-hmm. And then all this stuff happened with the raid, and they think that he maybe ratted her out saying that, like, oh, she must have known and told the police that we were doing all this, and then they went and handled her. I mean, okay, on paper, sounds likely. I think the Shelley theory is just more concrete. Why would you call a number, and then when they called you back a million times, use your own voice? Right? That's... I know. So weird to me. Yeah, I know. I also kind of thought that was a little sus, and I, I don't, don't fucking trust it. Um, okay. Time for the honorable mention. Mm. Uh, so the first honorable mention we are going to talk about will be the Yuki double murder, which happened in Kulit, just outside of Tofino, in about 2018. Uh, these two dudes took a little boat trip. Uh, I can't remember where they went. Um, I'd have to look into it a little bit more. I know that I knew once upon a time. I want to say maybe Costa Rica. They tried to boat down there. Maybe that's completely wrong. Okay, when you said boat, I just assumed like a dinky little motor thing but you definitely can't get to costa rica in a boat like that. no i yeah. can't remember if it was a sailboat of sorts maybe mm. either way they went on a little trip and they came back when they came back i can't remember if it was when they left or they came back either way there was a big bag with them when they left that wasn't there when they came back or vice versa or the other way around i don't know i'm sure it's when they came back you get things from costa rica not taking things to costa rica like it so they came back, they were on the video surveillance of the boat place, the dock, um, getting off the dock. Their bo- and, and I think it was in Tofino. And then their bodies were found, they were, they were uh, reported missing, and their bodies were found quite a while later. I don't have the exact date. Um, they were found by a hiker in the forest, and they were tied together back to back with gunshot wounds in their heads. Ooh, execution style. Exactly. Yeah. So technically their case has never been solved, but it's kind of the general consensus and general opinion that it was a Hells Angels-esque execution. Yeah. Um, and people suspect that maybe they were taking a drug delivery down to wherever they went for the Hells Angels and maybe skimmed a little bit, mm-hmm. kept a little bit for themselves, or kept a little bit of money or, or something. tying up loose ends. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, they were squealers. They could have been pawns from the very beginning. They, their deaths could have been signed. It would make sense if they went to Costa Rica and they brought up the drugs for the Hells Angels, and the Hells Angels like, we can't have you knowing that. Exactly right. Yeah. They're like, nah, now we have to kill you. Now we have to kill you. 
And that's why that's why I said like maybe their deaths were signed from the beginning because they were they were sought out with the intention that those people whoever they were would be killed after. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> like I said, technically not solved, but we kind of all no one just gets executed like that with it yeah. not being related to the Hells Angels. Okay, so we got that one done with. Now for honorable mention number, number two. Honorable dose. <laughs> uh, this would be the Ben Kilmer suicide, for lack of a better word. Is it quotation marks? Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Alleged. So Ben Kilmer went missing. He was reported missing by his family up in the Cowichan area. He was missing for quite a while. When I say quite a while, I mean, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a couple months. His van was found on the side of the road near Lake Cowichan running with mm. the door open, and they found nice Trace. Spot. Yes, they found Trace amounts of blood in the vehicle. They apparently weren't too concerned about the blood, so I don't know if it was like, oh, he got a paper cut and like smudged it on the steering wheel by accident, or if it was like, he got a really bad cut, tried to bandage it in the car, and some of it, like, got on the seat, you know? Yeah. They never, as far as I know, they never said, like, how much blood they actually found. Um, and I I believe they said it was his. I could be wrong. Um, so a van was running, door open, blood in the car. No Ben. Ben's nowhere to be found. When he was found, he was found a considerable distance away from the and van. it took them a while to find him, didn't they? Because I remember when they reported that van and it, it, it was on the news mm-hmm. and it, um they were asking for anyone to come forward that like knew where he went because yeah. it, it was just his van and then well, they found him a couple days later right his uh he went missing at the same time that those two men in Hewlett were killed yeah they were all missing at the same time and everyone was kind of like uh holy shit what's going on quick little side note there has been for a long time a string of young men going missing on the Young, athletic, capable men, to the point that some people do believe there is a serial killer on the island, picking off, Gacy-style picking off these men. Hmm. But the police don't seem to think so, so I think all of these men are going missing under completely different circumstances. People suspect there's maybe a serial killer on the island picking all these men off, but they all went missing under different circumstances that they don't know if that would actually all be hmm. related. They're not quite linked enough? Exactly. Um, now, when Ben Kilmer was found... They still haven't said what actually happened because they ruled his death as a suicide. And his wife actually fought to not have his cause of death released, or the manner of death. Like, she didn't want people to know whether it was homicide, suicide, or accidental, or whatever. That kind of frustrated me, because they have two sons. And I would think, if their father is in any mental state that he would take his own life, that's something that those boys need to know. And her reasoning was that she didn't want her sons to find out. She didn't want them to grow up and look back and s- see it in the news that their dad committed suicide. What if? I mean, the fact that the car was left open running with the door, like, okay. The fact that the car <laughs> was left running with the door open with, like, a little bit of blood inside is so fucked up. Because, like, what... Why did he get out of his van and leave it running with the door open to go kill himself? Uh, well, exactly. And, like, how, he was so far, right? Yeah. Like, he was so far away. I might be wrong, but I, I feel like it was, like, 11 kilometers away from Yeah, so far away. That's not... Exactly. That's not a little... That's not a, a anyone's jog, first of all. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, in the fucking forest. A forest, and, like, 
who just like sprints exactly 11 kilometers into the forest and that forest as well this is not a forest that has a path that you can walk on that you can go through like yeah. we've walked those forests they are heavily Dense. wooded they are marshy there's huge fallen over trees it is not easy to walk through that is a trek I mean, like, why would you get... He was, like, a tradesman. Get... He, I think he was, like, an electrician. He wasn't dressed to go for a fucking hike. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even if he wasn't sprinting, what if he just, like, got out of the car, left it running, and just walked into the woods? Yeah, that's, what, the entire day walking? Yeah. To then just sit down and, like, I just... And, it, like, nothing adds up to to, to, like, if they won't release how he was found, then maybe it was something, like really fucking weird you know what you know like i was thinking like belt to the like audio erotic -erotic, yeah yeah that's carradine that's kind of what i was thinking or something along those lines Mm -hmm. that would be embarrassing for your sons to know that that's how he died yeah now i wonder i've never thought of this before but i wonder how much of this whole case is public record because it wasn't a homicide there was technically no crime on paper Hmm. So his death certificate and uh, autopsy report might be available somewhere. I it would be it would be shit. really interesting. I want to know his. I want to know how he died. That will answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. I think. Yeah. To know what? How did he die? What? What did? What did he do that you're claiming is suicide? Exactly. Because like, I I don't want to trigger people listening, but like, what are what are the different ways you can kill yourself in the forest? With nothing they didn't say if anything was missing from his truck now he had a big or like a uh, cargo van like a work van like i said i, th- I think he, he was an electrician if or he was an electrician he would have had like cords, wire wires and, and cords like and like so he could have again i don't want to trigger warning but could have hung himself he could have hung forest. himself he could have done like crazy like rope play and like again going back to the van though leaving it open and running leaving it that's so strange and I, the only thing I can think is that he ended up in such a, you know, like a, a mental break. I was just going to say, if he had, like, if he, he snapped. He snapped, you know? Yeah. That's the only way that any of this makes sense to me. And I understand this kind of, like, it, it is a death, it's a suicide. And it was a small community that it happened, and it's hard for anyone to wrap their head around. But just logistically, I don't understand this. It just doesn't make sense. That... Yeah, that's more like on the manic side because I feel like when you're in a depressive state and you're thinking about killing yourself, you're like, okay, what is the fastest, easiest, mm-hmm. most logical way for me to just do it now, you know? Well, and just the the haste, I imagine, with leaving the van open and running to just, like, get out. You didn't even take your keys. You didn't even close the door. Why you 11 kilometers, though? Why not just go yeah. into the forest and just go, like... 50 kilometers mm-hmm. like not 50 kilometers like 50 <laughs> meters yeah into the forest to yeah. just do it there why did it have to be so yeah. far did he not want to be found like what yeah like i don't want to get I, or i try not to get too wrapped up in how far away he was but it always comes back to it because i'm like why did he go so far yeah why unless he like maybe it was an od and he was so fucked up on drugs that he had to pull over and then just had a walk into the forest all fucked up and then died there because he OD'd. He could have, if, if you know, if that's what happened, say he was doing, you know, we'll go with the Victoria Classic, the opiates. Mm. If he was on opiates, he could have easily been hallucinating in some way or been so paranoid, thought something was yeah. coming after him, and that's why he just booked it from his van and into the forest because he was running from something. Yeah. And 
maybe in the cold collapsed, because I think it was like February or something when he went missing. I never thought of that. I never thought of an overdose as a thing because, again, they because it was ruled a suicide and his wife was so private about a lot of it. Well, and I mean, if it was like a fentanyl death or something that she knew was a problem that he was trying to deal mm-hmm. with and didn't want to bring it into the like that would br- that would make that whole side of it make a lot more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I would like to look into that some more. I'd like to do some research and see what I can actually pull up and read and and find what's actually it. available. Yeah. Because, like, did he have any mental health, his, like, problems in his in his history? Does he have any, you know, addictions problems, like we talked about? But from everything I read, he seemed like a totally, like, normal dad. Mm, that's how they get you. Exactly. Always the one. Everyone's normal. And everyone's real fucked up. Facts. So. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, that's all the stuff. That is everything. I hope I didn't... Uh, melt your brain with my ramblings and my nonsense. No, thanks for having me. I I always like to talk about these things, and I just felt like I absorbed it like a sponge and didn't offer too much, so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But I also feel like I didn't offer very much. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I hope anyone listening also feels like they uh, enjoyed listening to this. I know my mom's going to listen, and I know my mom's going to make all my aunts listen. Oh, wow. There she is. There she is. This is exactly what we expected. Doing crime. Just talking about Moida. <laughs> what is your favorite? What's your favorite murder? What's your favorite case? Give the people what they want. What has always, what's been in your noggin? What has stuck with you? You know what? That, the one that I've been thinking about a lot is that one that I sent you that I saw on Reddit about the Japanese man that was in a tiny apartment and he just had like Tupperwares of like bodies. That was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, we've been at this for an hour and a half. Uh, we are, we had plans 34 minutes ago <laughs> and have not followed through. Devin, we're really sorry. Classic. As you're listening to this, we're late to come to your house. I don't have any makeup on yet. Thank you all for listening. Keep rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Oh, ah, ooh. Okay, bye everybody. Bye.